Back in the 90s, you walk down the halls of a middle school or high school, you'd see a lot of kids in printed t-shirts. That might still be true today, I don't know, but a lot of kids loved certain brands of t-shirt back in the day. Several brands were popular, but the one of the most popular ones was No Fear. No Fear shirts. They had slogans which sounded tough and masculine, but actually didn't really say anything. Slogans like, second place is the first loser. Or, living, it's the only thing worth dying for. Huh? Or, if you can't win, don't play. Few first century Jews would have worn such a shirt. Because even then, a thousand years before the first European pogrom and 1900 years before the Holocaust, Jews had been beaten down by the powers around them. David's royal line had appeared to end with the destruction of Jerusalem in about 586 BC. Over the next 450 years, the Jewish people endured a series of overlords the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks and at the writing of Luke's Gospel, the Romans. Even their brief period of independence for about a century was plagued by infighting. So when we hear Zechariah's song, we hear a song of hope amid despair, the despair of the world around them. And that hope is expressed in defiance, defiance of the powers of the world that keep God's people in bondage. Defiance of human sinfulness that turns people on each other or isolates them from each other. Defiance of the darkness, which keeps people siloed in their own concerns. Zechariah's song at the birth of his son John is the song of connection and expectation. It is the so not just the song detailing John's mission, but the song detailing the work and destiny of all of God's people. And that work is to prepare the Lord's way. To give people of knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. That they have a fresh start to point to Christ, who came once as a helpless baby, who comes among his people now, and who will come again at the end of time. Why do we do this? Not just because we're called to do it, but because in Christ, as Bede points out, we learn what freedom means. Freedom in Christ is not merely a freedom to do something. It's also a freedom from and a freedom for. In Christ, we are freed from our fears. As a fellow traveler on this Christian journey, this is something that I am still learning and will likely always be learning because I am a naturally fearful person as I imagine some of you may be. And I can usually think of something, or a hundred things, that will go horribly wrong if I don't keep a close eye out. But that fear catches up with me, as I imagine it may have caught up with many of you. It makes me stressed, it, make, it takes a toll on physical, mental, and spiritual health. But in Christ... I can release all my fears because he has freed me and you from our sins. 
But what have we been freed for? So often we define ourselves by who we are not, by what or whom we are against. Christ frees us for our neighbors, for our God. Christ frees us from our own siloed personal concerns, from our fears which eat us up inside, and frees us for service. Service to God, service to neighbor. God has and will take care of our needs. There's a reason that Luther included such an extensive list in the small catechism. He actually includes that extensive list twice. It is all the necessities of this life that God provides. And since God takes care of us, God will take care of you, as the hymn goes. We are freed to care for others. Who knows? You may be the way God cares for your neighbor. You may be the instrument of God's love and concern. You may be God's compassionate hand in a hurting world. As God has freed you and me, God help us be that instrument of freedom for others. God's blessing on us all this Advent, and God fill us all with the same defiant hope, hope in freedom that Zechariah sang. Thanks be to God. Amen.